Hi, this is Perry Marshall. You're listening to a free, highly abridged version of Evolution 2.0, Breaking the Deadlock Between Darwin and Design. The full, unabridged version is available on Audible and Amazon. Chapter 8. Code First, Evolution Second. So these are the ropes, the tricks of the trade, the rules of the road. You're one of the dopes for whom they were made, the rules of the road. Nat King Cole. My friend and colleague Joel Runyon blogged this wonderful story about a chance encounter in a Portland, Oregon coffee shop. I sat down at yet another coffee shop in Portland, determined to get some work done, catch up on some emails, and write another blog post. About 30 minutes into my working, an elderly gentleman, at least 80 years old, sat down next to me with a hot coffee and a pastry. I smiled at him and nodded and looked back at my computer as I continued to work. Do you like Apple, as he gestured to the new MacBook Air I picked up a few days prior? Yeah, I've been using them for a while. Wondering if I was going to get suckered into a Mac versus PC debate in a Portland coffee shop with an elderly stranger. Do you program on them? Well, I don't really know how to code, but I write quite a bit and spend a lot of time creating online projects and helping clients run their businesses. I've been against Macintosh Company lately. They're trying to get everyone to use iPads, and when people use iPads, they end up just using technology to consume things instead of making things. With a computer, you can make things. You can code, you can make things and create things that have never existed, and do things that have never been done before. That's the problem with a lot of people, he continued. They don't try to do stuff that's never been done before, so they never do anything. But if they try to do it, they find out there's lots of things they can do that they've never done before. I nodded my head in agreement and laughed to myself, thinking that would be something I would say. And the coincidence that out of all the people in the coffee shop I ended up talking to, it was this guy. What a way to open a conversation. The old man turned back to his coffee, took a sip, and then looked back at me. In fact, I've done lots of things that haven't been done before, he said, half-smiling. Not sure if he was simply toying with me or not. My curiosity got the better of me. Oh, really? Like, what types of things? All the while, half thinking he was going to make up something fairly non-impressive. I invented the first computer. Um, excuse me? I created the world's first internally programmable computer. It used to take up a space about as big as this whole room, and my wife and I used to walk into it to program it. What's your name, I asked, thinking that this guy is either another crazy homeless person in Portland or legitimately who he said he was. Russell Kirsch. Sure enough, after .29 seconds, I found out he wasn't lying to my face. Russell Kirsch, indeed, invented the world's first internally programmable computer as well as a bunch of other things and definitely lives in Portland. As he talked, I began Googling him. He read my mind and volunteered. Here, I'll show you. He stood up and directed me to a variety of websites and showed me through the archives of what he'd created, while every once in a while dropping some minor detail like, I also created the first digital image. It was a photo of my son. At this point, I had learned better than to call Russell's bluff, but sure enough, a few more Google searches showed that he did just that. Want to mess with your mind? Without the man in the photo, the photo of this man wouldn't exist. Mind blown. 
as he started showing me through the old history archives what he did while any hope of productivity vacated my mind, I listened to his stories and picked his brain about what he had done. At some point in the conversation, I mentioned to him, You know, Russell, that's pretty impressive. He said, I guess I've always believed that nothing is withheld from us that we have conceived to do. Most people think the opposite, that all things are withheld from them which they have conceived to do, and they end up doing nothing. Wait, I said, pausing at his last sentence. What was that quote again? Nothing is withheld from us that we have conceived to do. That's good. Who said that? God did. What? God said it, and there were only two people who believed it, and you know who? No, who? God and me. So I went out and did it. Well, then I thought, as he finished showing me through the archives, I'm not going to argue with the guy who invented the computer. After about 20 minutes of walking me through his contributions to technology, he sat down, finished his coffee, glanced at his half-eaten pastry, now cold, checked his watch, and announced, Well, I have to go now. How amazing that my friend Joel would bump into the guy who invented the first computer. How do you invent a computer? How do you go from conceiving something to reality? How do you make the world's first digitized picture? Stop and think about what Russell Kirsch had to do to scan the first digital image. He had to decide that one means on and zero means off. He had to assign ones as white and zeros as black. He had to choose how many pixels wide the scanner was to be. He had to decide how to store this data, what format it would be stored in, and how to retrieve it. He had to plan how the data was moved between registers within a very tiny amount of memory space. The printer had to render images in the exact format they were scanned in. Each of these decisions required Kirsch to define many layers of language in detail before a single circuit could be built. So now the question I needed answered was, how does a cell go from conceiving something to reality. 